friends to random number 117. That's right. We've had 117 episodes of this show. I'm Ox. That's Luke over there. We're going to tell you about the latest and greatest you should be watching. Maybe some you should, you should be avoiding. Uh, but we're going to re- give you a rundown. This week, we watched, for the best and worst list, we did 12 Angry Men from 57 and Birdemic. Uh, we watched the last four episodes of Undone. And I watched the first four episodes of Unbelievable. I think Luke's got through the whole series. Um, I also watched Between Two Ferns, new on Netflix. I don't know if Luke did. And then we watched Rainbow and Ad Astra in theatrics. Did you get everything watched and processed? Uh, Yes, I didn't watch Two Ferns, but I did watch all of Unbelievable. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm really glad I only did half of it. Um, because I've got, we'll get to that for sure. Um, also Titans, uh, episode three, we're in the thick of it now with second season and, uh, really enjoying it. Yeah. Some shit happened. They, the fucking Dr. Light wore a suit that's happening. Um, Deathstroke's manipulating everybody and... Robin's a giant piece of shit like he should be. It's all good. It's all good stuff. Uh, when you say uh, Deathstroke's manipulating people, how do you do you mean uh, he's manipulating Dr. Light? Yeah, and he's just using all these people as his pawns. Deathstroke's the tactician, son. Oh, yeah. God, I'm super excited to see more of him. Um, from, I think I saw a trailer somewhere, and I thought I saw uh, Robin beating or uh, fighting with Deathstroke and we don't really get any of that in this episode. Um, I saw a bunch of things about him in the in the tunnels with uh, Deathstroke so I was like, oh, that's cool. I thought it was going to happen at the showdown at the stadium, but nonetheless, we get uh, Robin being dragged off, bloody and beaten. Um, and you also get like the sense of like budgetary restrictions because at this point like beast boy does nothing like he could have easily turned into an animal to help search those tunnels instead he's just like no i'm just a kid with green hair it's whatever (laughs) i'm I'm real good with computers that's what i do now man i didn't even think about that but yeah that makes so much more sense um we get to see glimpses of what kind of broke up the titans and deathstroke was a big part of that um it's odd that Jason never being a Titan uh, brought a, brought Deathstroke out of the shadows, it seems, uh, claiming that the Titans are back, whatever. Um, I do like the fact that he's, he's the JV level, even though he took on uh, Dr. Light and beat the shit out of him. And apparently the other four experienced ones couldn't really do that. Yeah, but there's that sweet moment where, like, he steps up to Dick and Dick, Dick just fucking grounds him so hard. Mm. There's a lot. There's a fucking lot to like in this episode. Um, kicking off last last episode, I was I was unsure if I was going to really be into the season because it seemed like they were splitting up the teams, whatever. Um, with Deathstroke being a big part of it, I think they're probably going to be all sticking around for the most part. Um, Starfire's even rejoining the fight after getting a call from Raven. Um, it's interesting to see Raven still transforming and trying to cope with her powers and whatnot. And she doesn't really... There's this unease between her and Gar and Dick that's palpable and it's really coming through in the show. There's a lot of good stuff. Like, I think all the little character moments are great. Like, when all yeah. when all the old Titans show up and Dick's like, by the way, uh, Stethrook's daughter over there. And like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I like how you like strays, but this is fucking crossing the line and shit. God damn, it's so good. Um, it's really interesting that like uh, Hawk gets shot, but like Dove's the real crime fighter of pretty much everybody right now. Um, she's actually been the one out there and doing it, and everybody else has kind of been sitting on their hands and whatnot. Um, and she doesn't really get into this fight. Uh, it was cool to see 
uh, Wonder Woman or Wonder Gal, whatever, uh, show off her speed and, and her lasso a little bit more. Even though we're not getting it from Beast Boy, we're still getting it somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you get that fucking. Also beating motherfuckers with a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then there's that dope ass, like, Rose and Dick fight. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Which is great. Um, I'm really excited about Rose. Is she actually a Titan, or like she just a plot device for at this point? Uh, at this point, a plot device. But in the book, she has been a Teen Titan. Yes. Okay. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited about everything that's happening. Um, I'm sure we're gonna get more Deathstroke next episode. Um, I'm sure Doctor Light's crawled off. Has he ever had this suit that like essentially has Iron Man blasters on it? <laughs> Dr. Light does have a suit, but it's more of a... It always came across as, like, a spandexy tights as opposed to armor. Okay. But it did kind of... He has All a right. dumb fucking helmet thing like that. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the Magneto Trojan-looking <laughs> helmet. They've updated it, but, yeah, he did have a stupid headpiece. Like, that's par for the course of comics, <laughs> though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, really digging it. Um, I think if you really enjoyed... Uh, season one, season two just picks up where it left off, and even if you, it's still fun. Even if you didn't like season one, season two is way better. Yeah, yeah, it fucking really is. Uh, it's really exciting to see them come into their own place. Um, with season one, the moving around all of all the, all the time, it was hard for them to like set up shop and like actually go after people and. Uh, it's cool seeing them do this stuff with Deathstroke, like, figure out who he is and, like, how he came to be. And, like, even them trying to find Dr. Light in the city and whatnot uh, with the stadium and everything, even though it was a trap, apparently. Um, but, yeah, all really great shit. Yeah. So, watch it. Get DC Universe and watch it. Um, let's go right into the best and worst. Um, because I believe you just finished them, right? Uh, yeah, it was the only thing I had to watch today. So you didn't see Birdemic when I was asking you if I was watching the right thing? No, I had not seen it, but I was like, it's hard. Like, I don't think there's another movie accidentally called Birdemic. Uh, when I pulled it up on, uh, Prime, there were like three or four of them. So I was just making sure I had the right one. And did you see what I meant that the birds didn't show up for the first half hour? Oh, it's like 45 minutes in. And I wish oh, yeah, for sure. it had been longer because who oh boy when those <laughs> birds show up. <laughs> oh boy. You talk about a rough damn movie. This is it. Yeah, it's uh, one of those movies that like it's... is it bad? Yes, it's bad. Um on many levels. But like it's only because it blew up and like everyone heard about it and people were talking about it, that it is on this list, I believe. Because for the most part, these movies should just die and no one should ever see them. But yeah, in the age of the internet, people spreading shit, you know, it's the same as like why there was six Sharknados and everyone talked about them. Like you get this word of mouth of like you have to see this terrible movie. So is it the number five worst movie ever made? I don't know. It's bad, but like it's more on a... I never... It's funny because I definitely know, like, I think this is the worst one we've seen for sure. Um, But considering it has a, uh, I know it has a spoof movie at number one, it's kind of funny to know that this is ahead of that now. It's it's one of those things that, like, the film is just incompetent. And, like, that's what, you know, like, I don't know. Do you, like, if, uh, a younger child draws some artwork and they don't quite know what they're doing on the compositional level. Are you like, it's a piece of shit. They don't know what they're doing. Fuck that. <laughs> no, it, it, that's completely where I am with this. Like it sure is a bad movie, but I don't think it, it garners the attention. It should based on that. Like it's obviously somebody's first project and they're, was, they're that said, I did look, it's the dude's like third movie. <laughs> and I think he has like three of these, maybe. I maybe think two. I think so. But in the end, you know, like I looked, it was made for less than ten thousand dollars. It was shot on weekend. Oh, for sure. You know, like 
Uh, it's uh, it's surprising me because the uh, lead actress, like I know her from YouTubing. What? Um, She's I a person. She was, she was on. Yeah, she was on SourceFed. So when she showed up as the lead, I was like, "What?" Like it really threw. Because um, did you ever watch the extras for Deadly Class earlier this year? Uh uh-uh. uh So on the Sci-Fi Network, whatever they had a bunch of behind the scenes, whatever. She was the one that was like the interviewer for like uh, the people in production and everything. Well, good for her. I so guess. like, she's got. A, I mean, this movie's ten years old, whatever. Um, but she's she's grown. Uh, but like, yeah, this movie story wise is just. It's just bad. Well, it's like, um, I don't understand what they're trying to say. Like, I guess it's a movie about <laughs> climate control. <laughs> I don't know. Like, those, there's two scenes that are really glaring about its climate controlness. And I was like, oh, this is where we're going? That's fine. I'm fine with that. Does one but have like, to, it only glosses over it. Does one of those scenes have to do with the guy who lives in a treehouse and has a really bad wig? Uh, that's the first, or that's the second one. I believe the the first one's the dude that's on the bridge that saw this all coming and like knows how to protect himself and was like, but like, like I just had to take a breath and I was like, this is a little bit much for everything we've seen at this point. What's nuts is but, like this movie was made in like 2011 or something, and like I well, think it, I think it was two nine. 2009, and then it was re-released in 2011, but it got cult status, whatever. It is nuts that they're just like, we're going to go on a double date, and they're like, oh, that movie, An Inconvenient Truth. And I was like, that came out in, like, 2004. What the fuck is going on? (laughs) It's like, you can tell Um, the director just saw An Inconvenient Truth, and he's like, oh, I'm going to work this into the movie. Like, this is going to be about climate control. (laughs) Not, Not deadly birds who spew acid and are made with clip art. Oof. It was something to behold for sure. But like, there's so um, many things that you can tell was just like they had no money, <laughs> and like there's yeah. a part where she's just like, after they meet for you know, it's it starts off it's like a terrible rom com, and then it turns into like <laughs> environmentalist horror. Uh, but she's like, I'm a model, and then it shows her at a one hour photo at a strip mall, <laughs> <laughs> and. That helps her land a gig with Victoria's Secret. So to be their cover be girl, I'm like Victoria's Secret yeah, doesn't have a yeah. magazine. What are you guys talking about? They have a catalog, uh, maybe. I like that. That's the part that sticks out the most to you. First off, uh, uh, no, it's me. It's the hangar fight getting to the van loaded with guns. Yes, yeah, so many guns. The guy's just like, I got a gun, and he pulls out like an AR-15. And that's like, I would normally say that's ridiculous, but look at the climate we live in. And then he just starts handing guns out. Like, at no mention that when they were throwing around hangers at these birds five feet from the van, they're like, we've got a cache of guns and ammo in there. Or then because there's... Apparently, we just have so many bullets. Then there's the scientist dude who's on the bridge explaining it to him, and they're like, the birds are attacking. He's like, well, I just got this gun in my pocket. It's fine. He's like, you didn't know there was birds. Why do you have a gun? <laughs> Uh, so also he gets held up gunpoint for the gas tank and just leaves the gas after the guy gets attacked by birds. Oh god, dude! Hannah was gun. Hannah was screaming at the two. She's like, "Why are you leaving the gas? What are you doing? Stop it!" <laughs> uh, I love it that they were like, "Hey, you're pretty good at shooting because you've taken maybe 200 shots and got two birds. Like you're the best. You are. The yeah, best. I had military. I had military training." It's just, <laughs> whew, it's it's all over the place. It's a mess. It has all the qualities of, you know, incompetent filmmaking of like untrained actors. You can see people being fed lines. The audio is fucking terrible across the board. Oh god, that audio was the roughest bit um, of it for it, sure. You, you can tell it wasn't scored in any way. They just found tracks that were in public <laughs> domain and put them over it because none of it matches. There's a fucking weird musical at one point. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely bad. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are riff tracks editions. Uh, I think those would be worth a watch to to make 
fun of this movie alongside it, but I mean, obviously, it's a real bad movie. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like so weird. Like <laughs> another thing that stuck out to me, uh, one, they are both grown adults, and this dude like <laughs> has these stock options that are going to make him millions of dollars. He lives in his own house. But the first time they fuck, they go to a hotel. That seems really weird to me. <laughs> uh, but then after said fuck, uh, the bird, that's when the birds attack. And he's laying in bed fully dressed, but she's just still in her underwear. It's just like gratuitous and weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, just all around rough. So I'd avoid this one for sure. Um, going from there to possibly one of my favorite movies now uh 12 angry men which was just fantastic yeah it is um it, but it's one of those movies that like is fantastic but then you realize we're 62 years from its release and it still pisses me off because that's the kind of stuff that happens in our justice system uh yeah i mean we're still dealing with all the bullshit that they were dealing with back then um, and, like, none of it's changed. And, like, nobody has the introspective to realize that these are the same arguments we're having along the way. And it's, it is infuriating. I totally see what you're saying about that. But, damn, if I don't love uh, Peter Fonda. He's amazing. And I want him to adopt me someday. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's really good. You know, it's just literally, it, you know, it's a play. You know, it's 12 guys locked in a room arguing this case and trying to split the not even like, I don't even think, you know, Fonda's trying. He's just trying to say, like, here's why I can't do it. And over the course of the film changes everyone else's mind. Which um, I can definitely see it working well. I mean, obviously, there was reasonable doubt to make him make give him pause. Um and I like that uh, it did sway everybody. I figured at some point he'd like sway and be like, well, maybe you're guilty. Um, no, but-, but he's just rocking a, a illegal switchblade in his pocket. Like, I don't understand anything, but I got this cool knife. Yeah. Um, like, I do get, I like that he's saying, you know, like, what is the cornerstone of our legal system is like the burden of proofs on the prosecutors and it has to be without a reasonable doubt. Like, he's like, he could have done it. I don't know, but I don't believe it without a doubt. So I can't vote to send this person to the chair. Also, it's really funny that the second dude that that went not guilty was like, hey, this guy has enough conviction. That's good enough for me. And then the one dude with the baseball tickets is like, I got somewhere to be. So whatever you guys want me to avoid, I'm going with that. And he's like, that's not a fucking excuse. No, you pick up, <laughs> you figure it out, and then you get and he's just like, like yeah, not guilty. <laughs> then you get like the horribly virulent racist who's just these people, you know, they're liars. I can never believe these people. And each one of them just fucking gets up and turns their back on him. I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There needs to be a lot more of that in society. Um, it also does this really cool thing. Uh, I really enjoyed from my cousin, cousin Vinny. Uh, where they give you the information along the way and then kind of explain how things don't line up. And, like, the guy not being able to make it to the door that fast, um, the lady not being able to see with her glasses reminds me of the scene from My Cousin Vinny where, like, uh, he knows, he finds out over the course how long it takes to make grits. And, like, the lady that saw this uh, shooting happen, like, cooks them 20 minutes faster than everybody in the u.s and like nails her with that and like all these little things that add up and like finally to get to the end and like i'm glad they did their job and duty and like made things right because this kid was being unjustly um accused so uh yeah it's just really well done black and white I just really enjoyed it. So. Yeah, it's really good. I'm kind of shocked it was that high up, but... I can see why. I mean, all, all the actors did Stalin's job. And, like, it was really funny seeing the uh, dude with the baseball tickets as the grandpa from Problem Child. And, like, 
we've seen these people throughout the years and it's like oh yeah that guy and like the other one and yeah it's also you know to go back to the like almost the very beginning of our list and see fonda playing this you know gold-hearted good guy doing right saving this kid to when we first saw him as the murderous villain in once upon a time in the west hell yeah hell yeah he's got the chops for sure he's great so uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think there was another remake in ninety or maybe eighty seven, but um, seems very along the same lines, and they just redid it with new actors. But yeah, just really good shit. So yeah, you got anything else for uh, Twelve Angry Men? No, just watch it. If you weren't like made to watch it in school at some point, like watch it. It's free on Amazon. If you have Amazon, it's good. Oh, yeah. Watch it. So yeah, it's dope. Um, so jumping from there to the finishing up Undone on Amazon Prime. And how did you feel about the last four episodes? Uh, how did you feel? Because I felt you were the one who was kind of on the fence last week. Um, so I, I still really don't like the rotoscoping. Like some just off about it. Um, that being said, the story is phenomenal to me. Like I just love the story enough that the other stuff doesn't matter. Um, I think it's really well done. Um, I think there's a future and there's... Because you said this person did uh, Homecoming, right? What? No. Oh, I thought they had done the story for Homecoming as well. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the future because the storytelling was on, on point for no, me. It's, um, it's, uh, it's a bunch of the people from BoJack Horseman who did this. Oh, okay. Yeah, wild. No, um, um, I like it. Uh, I quite liked it. Um, I don't want any more of it, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the point that it's just the perfect taste right now. This limited series is fine. Um, gives you enough ambiguity to like, was she telling, or was everything truthful, or was she? essentially schizophrenic and just imagining all this like it's so it plays with these elements so well um and i think the animation the way they did it is the only way to tell the story really um really well anyway because you can morph from like different scenes to these almost psychedelic uh situations and like the way they're trying to tell the story is just it just works so well it does um, i think like you said, there's enough ambiguity there that I think either reading could work, that she is doing this, or like you said, that she is schizophrenic. But I think at the heart of the story, it doesn't matter. Um, what it comes down to is whether it was real or not, she experienced these things, and that's what we went through with her. And by the end, yeah. she accepts the help that she needs one way or the other so like i don't need if you get any more it's just going to go down the rabbit hole of did he really walk out is he really back did they converge timelines is she crazy does she have to fight against people thinking she's crazy and like i don't need to go into that i got what i needed out of the story with this yeah yeah i mean you're only gonna the thin the water um even more if you if you dive in more even if she like found a way to go back and help her grandma like there would be so much inconsistencies with the storytelling at that point. Like everything's just a giant plot hole at that point. And, and it would just take a, take away from everything that this uh, story did well. Um, that said, I think it's great because it oh. just, uh, ah, you go for, Oh, I was just going to say, where do you fall on the spectrum? Do you think it's real or not? Um, I want to believe it's real um, just because that's it, it treads this line of madness and uh, genius that I just really love to explore um, for my sake and my sanity. I think it being real to her matters the most. Um, even if, if she wasn't doing anything, um, if she was just schizophrenic, the fact that, we experience it with her makes the most difference because even if she is insane, we're insane with her. And uh, yeah. How about you? 
Uh, that's pretty much the point I was making. I do think it's in her head. I think she's schizophrenic, and it's about finally getting the help that neither her father or grandmother got that they needed. That's a family member being there. You know, like the grandmother was essentially locked in an institution and rotted away. The mother left the father and abandoned him and eventually, you know, he killed himself over it. And this is her sister sitting down and being like, we'll do what we need to. I'm here for you. We're going to get through this together. It's finally someone giving that supportive help to that her other family members didn't get. Hmm. That's funny. Um, it's, it's, it's weird that we like the story for different reasons. Like I, I didn't even think about her accepting the help. Like I thought the light at the end of the story was like, Oh shit, this is actually real. And like, she's, she's this time wizard, whatever now. Like, um, I didn't think about her getting help whatsoever. I, I thought she'd be able to dismiss that now that she was proven right. So, um, yeah, I think it was really well done. And plus, it's only what four hours for these eight, eight episodes. Yeah, maybe set. So, yeah, definitely worth checking out for sure. Uh, going from there to Unbelievable, uh, new series on Netflix with Tony Collette and uh, the one chick from Booksmart uh, and Justified, whatnot. Um, what do you feel about the first episode? It's it's we're going to tread lightly with you since you've seen the series at this point. Um, but how did you feel about the first half anyway? The first half or the first episode? Mm-hmm. Well, the first episode. The first episode was the most rage-inducing thing I've seen in a long time. Like, I was just screaming at my TV through that hour. You're going to have to walk me through that a little bit more. Like, I... I feel like I understand what you're doing, but people might be coming in this fresh with, with fresh eyes to you, so you might need to explain that a little bit better. No, it's just, you see what... It's the idea of um, this girl goes through this horribly traumatic thing, right? She is assaulted uh, in her apartment one night, and all that happens for the first 40 minutes is all the institutions that we have around us that are meant to keep us safe and help us just beating her down. Uh, The first half hour is just tell me what happened. Well, I told that person already. Well, I know this is traumatic and it's going to fuck you up, but I need you to explain it to me now instead. And just, I need you to relive this traumatic moment over and over and over. Who cares if it fucks you up? We need to know. Well, I told that guy. Yeah, you told him, but now I need to know. Well, I told the cops, yeah, but now I'm your nurse. I need you to go over it again and again. And, you know, just yeah, just the way... And then you get to the, the point of... At no point does... You know, if you call the police and say, someone broke into my house, this stuff's missing, the cops aren't going to turn a suspicious eye on you. They're not going, well, you telling the truth? You know, it's this... The idea of that someone, in more cases than none, cases of sexual assault are looked at with a side eye far more than anything else. Where else do you see a crime committed where you look into the victim as well, as hard as they do and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, this this show's f- fantastic so far. These first four episodes are just ridiculous. Um, well acted. Uh, I think the story is just on point. Um, like I was saying earlier, is like I think we've been given all the things we need at this point, but it's it's telling the story smartly, so we don't realize we have those pieces until they actually explain what they were when they were handed to us. Um we go from this girl that's traumatized to these other uh, detectives that are working cases in far off states. I think it's four, three or four years later. Um, and this, this person's still assaulting uh, women and they're showing that this person has knowledge that police precincts are, uh, 
policemen don't necessarily have the tools at their advantage to um, connect dots like this. And like these two are doing incredible detective work uh, because they want justice for these victims. And um, like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm really enjoying seeing with Titans. And like, this is the kind of Batman story that I'd be more akin to is him in the Batcave doing all this detective work and trying to get his man whatnot. But um, I think they're doing a phenomenal job. Like, and you can see where this stuff is going to get linked together down the road and hopefully these people get justice but and then that turn comes and like we know what happens with the justice system and like these people aren't held accountable to the the prejudice they should be um because i mean fucking brock turner is a piece of shit and got off scot-free essentially and like He's possibly one of the worst human beings that is on this planet right now. Well, like, like, look at the fact that, you know, our current president has been accused over a dozen times of credible sexual assault. And all he has to do is they're lying. Oh, maybe they are lying. I'm not going to believe them. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. No, it's just infuriating that, you know, like you see it more. I don't think the show is trying to be an indictment against the police officers uh, more so than like the system and the way things were, but look at the way the two men in investigate Marie's case versus the way Tony Clett and the other one investigate. They're they're more open. They are there. They're looking. You yeah. know, like just the the whole tone and, and the tenor of everything is different. And ostensibly, this is three four years prior. Um, Maybe they don't aren't equipped to deal with that earlier than they were. Uh, these two women detectives seem like they've done this many times, and like it just sucks that they have to be a part of this world. But um, I'm glad that people like them are in the thick of it, helping others. Um, there's a really cool moment of the the saying she has from the Bible on her dashboard because she's like there to help people. And like, it's cool shit like that. But also it sucks so much what uh, that actress has to go through because she was kind of coerced into like giving a false statement because she had said it over and over and over. And like, and not only like, not only because, like, but, you know, think about that, like, how is someone's brain actually wired to deal with that? You know, they they show that yeah. the, the one in Colorado the, in the current or the three, four years later has that brain of, like, cataloging everything and keeping everything in there versus Marie, who's rattled by it and, you know, maybe didn't say the order of events in the right order every time. And they look at that as suspicion, you know, in the fact that. Yeah the step or the foster mom is like, I don't know. She's called out for attention before. Maybe she's doing it again. And they take someone else's opinion over fact, you know, mm-hmm. like it's shit like but, that. It's just crazy. And I hate, I, th- I think that's so strong for the, for the show itself. Um, showing the different people that these different victims um, in the way they've dealt with the trauma that they've gone through. Um, another thing, kicking back to 12 Angry Men, you see the, the prejudices come out um, and sifting through all this stuff. Like, why would you take somebody's word over another? And then, like, uh, Fonda traps the other guy into killing it. It's just saying that he was going to kill him just because he was making, or making fun of him. Uh, and he's like, well, yeah, but imagine you're this whatever 18-year-old kid that comes home from the movie to find your father lying dead on the floor and then they're arresting you like what kind of frame are you in to like remember what movie you just saw like you have a dead parent and you're being accused of the the murder like shit like that's insane and like this show's doing a really great job of explaining that without making it seem like it's looking looking down its nose at others um I think it's just 
it just explaining everything extremely well. Yeah. For the difficult or the difficult things that are happening. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a difficult show to watch at times. Like it definitely, you know, you don't just see like it is one part like uh you know like a police procedural CSI. You know, there's a lot of cops hanging out in rooms looking at marker boards trying to figure out what's going on. You know, but you also spend half the time with Marie and just the disintegration of her life after this event. Like you see how impactful this was and how it breaks everything around her. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's intense for sure. Um, I was talking to you yesterday. We were trying to figure out uh, just what we had to watch and whatnot. And you had told me you'd gotten through this. And I was like, I lied to you. I hadn't even started it. And I was totally expecting to stay up last night and burn through all the episodes like got through that first episode and like I was so exhausted like just trying to cope with everything that was being handed out I was like I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through a few episodes and like talked to you earlier this morning and knew you had to get through those uh movies so I was like all right I can see if I can handle a couple more episodes and like once I got to episode two and the ball got rolling into three like I was like Maybe I should tell him that we should wait and push it a few more hours so I can get through this whole series. But I'm really glad I stopped at the halfway point because like the show's really rolling and like I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the rest of it tonight and like I'm just shocked and incredibly grateful for shows like this, even though like they're dealing with tough issues. These are conversations that kind of need to be had. Yeah, in this climate, I suppose. So, and uh, um, I'd say you know, like if anyone doesn't have Netflix, can't watch it or anything, go read the ProPublica piece. Like this is a true story, and there's a great article about it that won a Pulitzer. Oh damn! Uh, you're gonna have to link me to that because I really am interested in that too. Now. Well, like don't um, finish the show because it tells you everything. You yeah, know. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that being said, I really think we've seen who, like, I'm so, because I mean, how many whodunits have we watched over these last two years is just a handful. And, like, being disappointed in the one HBO did last year, I can't even remember what it was called. What, Mosaic? Uh, like, yeah, Mosaic. Disappointed in how they put everything together. I know this show is much different than that. And I really feel like um, earmuffs if you haven't started this. But, like, I really feel like the officer we first see and takes her first witness is the guy responsible for a lot of this. So. Mm. Interesting. Interesting that you're yeah. trying to figure it out. Because in my head, I don't see it so much as a whodunit as, you know, like... You know, like at, at a, you know, it's it's more about process and what they're doing. Like, I mean, you there is someone who did it. You know, that's part of the story, but I don't think it's framing yeah, it yeah, as, yeah. like somebody who's in the background. Um, it's it's just the little details they're hitting along the way. It's like they've kind of come to the conclusion conclusion that it is working in the force. Um, we get that moment where they're like, this guy is way too smart to just be, just be a smart criminal. Um, it was also that moment in like Dexter when they were trying to kill the, or uh, when fucking Bill Hicks was on the show. I can't think of his damn name. Um, and like, he was like this guy that released the manifesto is in the precinct because like all these details definitely point that he's, he's, police thinking logical and all this other stuff so it's like it's really smart smart but written and, and i think acted well so i i do and i think i don't think it's i think it's happened in the first four episodes already that it has to be because they formulated the idea that it's a cop but there's also that yeah, smart yeah. idea that like they're having that conversation of like everyone watches csi now well, they all know to fucking clean up after themselves and you know criminals are getting smarter because of the information that's out there now mm -hmm. but 
damn, this show is something else. Like, kudos to all the actresses and everybody involved with this show. I think they really did something great. And I think it's a limited series. So, like, this is all that it is, obviously, based on the true story. Like you were saying, like, damn. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, obviously, the uh, there are some disclaimers going in. Uh, for sure, check that out um, because it's not an easy show to watch. But um, like I said, this is a conversation that we need to be having nowadays. So, which sucks. I wish we didn't, but that's the climate we're living in now. So, not even just now, but always. I think there's just yeah a stronger focus on it now that more women are willing to speak out. You know, like there's that yeah that part in earlier episodes where yeah the foster mom is like well, I don't think that's how you would react to sexual assault. And the cop's like, well, everyone does it differently. And she's like, I I know what it feels like. You know, it's her being like, I never said anything, but I have been assaulted too. You know, like, it's just hidden there in the background. Yeah. Yeah, there's some really annoying parts to that they're, like, shining a light on on – people's prejudice pre-prejudices I don't know what I'm trying to say but like man those foster mothers are real a real piece of the work <laughs> the one that pissed but, me off the most was the the foster dad when she oh yeah when she showed up and she just wanted a, a safe place yeah and he's just like I can't be alone with you because you might allege that I touched you you need to get the fuck out of here I'm like oh you piece of shit yeah, yeah. So it's even more difficult when they're like, she wasn't lying. Like, they find out, like, there's other allegations that mimic everything that she was saying prior. And, like, but, like, you can come clean with us. And, like, she's tried that and nobody wanted to listen. So, like, she's literally in this world by herself at this point and just sucks. But hats off to them. Like, they're, doing such a great job with portraying all these difficult things so yeah uh let's jump from there to a little bit more lighthearted. um between the two ferns um it's exactly what you were thinking it is uh if you enjoy the funnier die sketch it's just an hour and a half of that for the most part um just ridiculous uh they have such a a ridiculous amount of actors that just essentially jumped in for a cameo to get made fun of uh it's it's decent it's an hour and a half comedy i mean if you like the sketch check it out for sure um but yeah um from there (laughs) uh which one do you want first rambo or ad astra i don't really know all right, let's take on Rambo. <laughs> How'd you feel about it? Uh, it is at the same time both as racist as I thought it would be, but also staggeringly more racist than I could have imagined. Huh. No, I feel like that's very, <laughs> very acceptable. Um, like there's well, literally well, I was just like okay we'll just see how they're going to go maybe I don't believe there's going to be a deaf touch but maybe it won't be as bad as I think and then like the daughter or the his niece is like I found my real dad he's in Mexico I want to go visit him and he's like Mexico why would you want to go to that hell hole <laughs> and I'm like oh yep there we go <laughs> oof um, that being said, I was surprised, like, the movie felt like it was an hour long, when it was an hour and a half long. Um, once it picked up the back half, it really got moving. Um, here's, here's the I, thing, though. At no point did that person's name need to be John Rambo. It could have been anybody. Yeah. You know, like, this is not, 
I mean, admittedly, Rambo is a weird fucking franchise, and for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, like the first two are the only that ones that you kind of need to give a shit about because, like, the first one's actually like, yeah, a really interesting uh, '70s vein movie about you know what what happened to our soldiers in Vietnam and how what happens when they come mm-hmm. home and then it's an indictment of the system. Uh, and then the second one's just like pure 80s superhero cheese, you know, like it's it's literally Rambo going back to win Vietnam after we decidedly lost that war. It's just like, <laughs> no, I'm going to go back and single handedly save the POWs and win the war. Uh, but, it's, you know, it's always had this weird political bent of the time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the third film is literally uh teaming up with the uh afghanis to fight russia you know like literally it it shouts out the freedom fighters who eventually formed you know al-qaeda the terrorist versions in that region um and it's this really kind of jingoistic rah-rah reaganism throughout the back part there Uh, so i'm not surprised that the film goes full kind of right-wing fucking you know we need a wall yeah. like rambo is the wall right <laughs> and he's just like if you guys don't <laughs> if you guys don't trust our borders you know you come to my place and i'll show you my gun collection because as an american i have a gun and i will defend myself it's really weird um i also felt like weird as i was i guess i was watching the movie trying not to fall asleep because like for the most part it's boring as fucking shit until you get to the murder yeah. tunnels um but like I was sitting there watching it. I was like, okay, so it's a guy who only has one thing he's living for. And then a gang takes that one thing away from him and he needs to get revenge. It's the same plot as John Wick, but it's like Mm -hmm. super racist John Wick. It's just like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Speaking of that, uh, I know, I understand why they did it. The Rambo franchise, obviously, his name. Um, this has probably got to be one of La- Sly's last movies. Um, I think he's wrapped up this. I think he's wrapped up uh, his uh, Rocky series, whatever. Um, and I understand why they did it. Um, just what we were talking about with Undone is like watering down the uh, effect that it has, like. This, this is a guy that knows killing and like two thirds of the way through the movie you're like man ha- Rambo's always been the villain like he's not a good fucking person and like he he shouldn't be part of society and like I guess he realized that the last film and like has secluded himself for the most part and like trying to find his way whatnot but but it's, like it's interesting because I like Stallone's storytelling. I think he does a good job, but it's very apparent that he's this mm, privileged class that's come through Hollywood the last twenty, thirty years, um, and kind of just can get this made. Um, this story is very loose and flimsy. Like, really doesn't have an ending. Like. He kind of said the same thing in Rocky Five, where he has so much in the gut that he just has to release. And he goes through and murders this whole slew of gangs. Um, it's just like, men. none of like, it's like <laughs> none of the movie actually makes any narrative sense to me. Like, I was so confused yeah. watching it. Like, yeah. once uh, it's weird because he's just like, it definitely comes across as all Mexicans are bad unless they're in mm-hmm. roles of servitude because he's cool with having a Mexican maid clean up his ranch all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then, then they go, he goes to Mexico and uh, he gets rid of his crazy pills or whatever. Like, I, I'm like, is this an indictment against pharmaceutical companies or what's going on? Like, this is like, <laughs> I take these pills and you literally, it's a, very focused shot of him slamming them on the ground and being like, no more pills for this guy. And he goes on a fucking mm. murder rampage. Uh, but not only a murder rampage, but like, he kills every single one of these people ten times over. Like, 
there's a part where like these guys he goes, again he goes into this brothel with a hammer and just starts laying people the fuck wait, out fuck that that literally made me feel like oh fucking stallone watched you were never really here he's like joaquin can do what i can uh but there's that fucking part where like he's down in his murder tunnels because that's what rambo's doing in this movie just building an intricate set of murder tunnels is all he's doing and everyone thinks it's a lark uh and these two guys fall through a pit and they fall down onto sharpened rebar and they're just like stuck to this rebar coming out of him everywhere. And he just walks up with an automatic rifle and just starts unloading clips into him. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah. what? Like, okay, we need to calm the fuck yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Everybody died a good three or four times for sure. But then um, I don't know what's more ridiculous. The part where he interrogates a guy by ripping his collarbone out of his body or, or the part where he kills the main bad guy by ripping his still beating heart out of his body, like it's, just, and then he's just like, rip that dude's heart out. Now I'm gonna sit on my porch and talk about freedom and how you got to come take it if you want. And I'm like, what is going on in this movie? <laughs> I really appreciated the the head bouncing down the highway that didn't matter whatsoever when he just <laughs> um removed it from his brother or the gang's brother or whatever and again the guy that carved a v into his fucking cheek to also bring out the point of like it didn't need to be a rambo movie like again not joking rambo wins vietnam in rambo 2 he breaks into a pow camp and frees mm-hmm. all these people and you know rambo's all like i fucking i come out of the water with my bow and i'm taking you guys out to the jungle when he gets down to Mexico, he's immediately spotted. Like, I'm like, did you just forget everything, Rambo? You don't know what you're doing anymore? <laughs> then all of a sudden, there's like a hundred guys just being like, I see him. Yeah, he's right there. I got him. I was like, you're bad at this, Rambo. But, like, but damn, that final scene where he rips the guy's heart out, it's like, this movie just didn't have anything. It's just Rambo wanted to kill a bunch of people. And that was it. <laughs> Not even, Rambo wanted to kill a lot of brown people. Yeah, so it's a it's a definitely a hard pill to swallow. As it's Rambo one of those things of like, <laughs> like I can't, I can only imagine what his sister's wedding was like, <laughs> or when he, you know, <laughs> or when he found out she was pregnant, because <laughs> like obviously he is not a fan, and like his that yeah. whole side of the family apparently is half Mexican and just like you know he's like your dad's a piece of shit. Don't you don't need to talk to him. <laughs> I'm your father. Oh man, so yeah, Rambo. Um, it was it was really interesting after the show last week because we figured it was going to be very uh, Death Wish esque with Bruce Willis finding a gun and and having to destroy all these people. And it's like, well, I mean, this is always the character Rambo's been. It's just this tactician and knows how to slaughter every fucking one. So. I guess it wasn't necessarily like Death Wish, but man, not. I mean, if you're a fan of the Rainbow series, I guess it's just another one in the in the series. But like, it's kind. It's it's one of those things of like, if you see it on HBO in six months, like check out some of it to see how fucking nuts it is. At one point, yeah. Rambo threatens a young woman. <laughs> and he's just like, you do what I tell you to, or I'm going to hurt you real bad. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Rambo, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up for sure. So, uh, from there, uh, Ad Astra just came out last week. And how do you feel about this one? <laughs> um, <laughs> conflicted? Mm, I'm there, too. Um, it's one of those films that is, I think, too many things at once. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. like, it's this weird, like, introspective indie film that's peppered through with big budget action scenes. You know, you get a shootout on the moon and, a, like, it's like Mad Max on the moon. And you also get like space baboon fights. Um, <laughs> but then it's also alternates between being way too stoic and everyone's kind of just a blank slate to being super melodramatic. 
that the tones give me whiplash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a fucking great assessment of this movie. Like, um, I was pumped for it. Uh, you know, I've been on the kick Brad Pitt for the last few weeks now, and I was like, space? Yeah, you can do space. Um, but this movie has you accept so much things and then the other three-fourths of the movie is trying to explain all the other details that it just doesn't think you're willing to accept. Like, we have we have traveled to the moon at all points. No no big deal. We can get there. No, not um, only <laughs> not only have we traveled to the moon, but there's a goddamn subway on the moon. And I don't mean a train. <laughs> I mean the sandwich shop. <laughs> uh, but to get to Mars, we got to get the other side of the moon. And there's pirates on, on, on the moon. Uh, I don't know. This, this movie's really all over the place. And it's... And what drives me nuts I want... is like... I feel like <laughs> I liked what Pitt was doing in the film. Like, I think a lot of his stuff is in the eyes. And it's really reactionary and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very internal performance, but then there's just god awful voiceover that I wanted to blow my brain <laughs> up. He did my dad go to space because he was broken, or did space break him? And I'm like, who fucking cares? How about that, huh? No one fucking cares about that. <laughs> no one cares. Um, yeah, it's I like Brad Pitt's part, but that's about the rest of the movie is just a mess a chaotic mess at that too yeah and Um, I felt by the end like I get the story that it was telling and mm -hmm. uh, you know how about it's about connecting with others around you regardless of the daddy issues you might have because that's what this movie is it's two hours of space daddy issues Um, and it's about like even though you might have that hole from an absence and it's about connecting with people down on earth and people around you, you know, space is there. Mm -hmm. And when you get to the edge of space to try and contact other life and see how big everything could be, the real answer is there's nothing out there. It's what's around you down below. But the way the film tells it, I feel it's very myopic. It's literally like Tommy Jones murdering people in space to be like, no, aliens. We need to talk to aliens. Fuck you, son. I left you for a reason. <laughs> uh, nailed it. That's it. That's the movie. If you don't want to see that, avoid this movie at all costs. Um, yeah, just a weird fucking movie for sure. Uh, I think this, this and Replicas are probably the bigger disappointments of the year for sure so far. Who thought, like, that's weird, because ain't no one thought Replicants was going to be anything but trash, so I was not disappointed. No way. No, 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 because I don't watch trailers, so I was just like, I was like, Keanu's been on such a hot streak lately, there's no way this movie's going to be whatever the fuck that is that it turned out to be. You know how I knew it was going to turn out to be that? Because I didn't see a trailer for it. I was like, wait, there's a Keanu movie coming out? <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd avoid this one for sure. So, uh, what do we got for next week? Uh, obviously, I'll finish up uh, Unbelievable uh-huh. uh, next episode of Titans. For uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What do we got for best and worst then? Uh, it is um, The Hottie and the Naughty and The Dark Knight. Oh, God damn it! And then Joker is like two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Jesus, huh? Well, that's interesting. So, uh, do you want to do Island next week too? No, you know what's happening. You got to know. Listen, I come on. We got we got one more week before Spooky Week. Mm-mm. Next week is our first episode in October. It's Spooky Week time. God damn it. <laughs> plus there's, right, so plus there's nothing doing? in theaters. Because I'm not seeing uh, Abominable. Not I'm not seeing it. We gotta, we gotta see Abominable. I'm not seeing it. I'm working, Listen, I'm, I'm working I'm 60 totally hours a week. It. I'm not taking I'm totally time out. Not holding you to it. So, 
Yeah, for sure, I'll see it. But um, so then, what do we see for Spooky Month? We're we're starting out uh, with the uh, again. I, I've I've set uh, 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 a tone. Uh, I'm trying to go with some of these. So like I'm programming them almost as double features. So regardless of you seen them or not, next week you know we'll discuss why I programmed them together and such. But uh, to start with, we are watching uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Blair Witch Project. Fuck. I'm not excited about either one of those. I've never seen them. Oh, even Son better. Even better. Not even better. I'm pr- oh, God damn it. I'm very certain Blair Witch is going to make me fucking keep my light on for a fucking week. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but see, that's what'll be interesting to go of like, you've lived with the pop cultural knowledge of the Blair Witch for 20 years, but you've never seen it. So will it be and scary that's the- that's the no, I fucking know it will be because the Blair Witch game, whatever, came out like a month ago or whatever. And like I've dipped my toe into watching people do that. And like it's it's based on the events of the movie. I'm like, God fucking damn it. Like I remember everybody freaking out about this movie the same time they were freaking out about paranormal activity. It's like I just can't handle that kind of movie and I know it's gonna freak me out, so um, but the t- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm pretty sure that was one of my parents' first dates. So Nice. That, that'll, be, that'll be interesting. <laughs> so, I guess that's what we're watching next week. Yeah. Not excited. Very excited. Spooky, spooky Month's going to be fun. Spooky Month's going to be something for sure. So, watch all that stuff. Come back. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, peace, pineapple, and all that good stuff. Later. Later.